What's up, nerds? And welcome back to your weekly movie review podcast. That's right, you're locked in and tuned in to the 3FN Podcast. Of course, we are coming to you from the 8122 Production Studios at Dragon Master Games. This week, we will re- be reviewing the brand new installment to the Indiana Jones franchise, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. But before we can get that far, I am your host, my name is Rich, and joining me, of course, the nerds are all here. First up, the man that did just this past week, not only did he find more relics than Indiana Jones could have ever dreamed of, he also bagged more Roman bitches than you can count. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you Ron. Actually, it was just Roman Reigns. He was not knocked unconscious. Ooh. Well, you <laughs> took advantage of the fact that Jey Uso put him down yep, and yep. gave him the three counts. <laughs> I love it. And, of course, in the other chair, he is the man that doesn't need an introduction, yet he has the longest introduction in all the podcasting. Ladies and gentlemen, I give to you hashtag Big Natty Cool, hashtag Mad Dog Strong Style, hashtag Challenge Accepted, hashtag Diesel Malenko, because he's the man of a thousand and four hashtags. He is the leader of the Minnows Gang and is your favorite podcaster's favorite podcaster. He's the man, the myth, and the legend rolled into one jolly old ginger-bearded feller. It's Diesel. Kali Ma. Kali Ma. Ah, you're thinking of better times, aren't you? <laughs> well, with that, uh, how has been the week, Ronald? It's been an interesting week, I won't say that much. Uh, just a bunch of stuff going on. Wednesday, I had to bow out of the Wednesday group. Because, you know, got a phone call, had to go take care of some business. You know, unfortunate is all I can say. Uh, week was there. Other than that, we went to see Indiana Jones. Yay. And Friday had our game group. And that one, you know, got a bunch of new dice. And the new dice didn't like the players. Oh, no. So I can't roll like anything better on freaking a Wednesday. But on Friday, I was killing people. <laughs> they weren't happy. <laughs> but that's pretty much all. It's been a lame week. All right, Diesel, how's been your week? It's been a pretty good week. I got to take a break from the uh, secondary job here at Dragon Master Games and uh, hang out with you fine gentlemen on Saturday for your stepson's graduation party, which was a lot of fun. And then Sunday, we got to take a nice little mini road trip and uh, have some really good food up in the Latham area of New York. It was a good time. Yeah, for those that don't know, that's outside of Albany. Because uh, I think Albany people more know the, uh, the... Although a lot of people don't know out there that it's the capital of the state of New York. Yeah. Uh, most people just assume New York City has everything. But no, Albany is the capital of the state of New York. Uh, but yeah, uh, throwing it out there, we had the graduation party on uh, Saturday. It was awesome. My stepson had a good time. Uh, lots of food, lots of fun, lots of laughs, lots of aggravation and tiring for me. <laughs> My body still hurts from it. But you know, that's what, you know, that's what the job entails. Overall, I thought it was a success. And once again, uh, uh, for the patrons over on Patreon, we actually played in the opening. We opened with uh, Schools Out by uh, Alice Cooper because I was like, thank Jesus that my hell month and a half is over. Uh, I'm very proud of everything he's done. Uh, so it's nothing on him, but man, there was just event after event after event. I don't know if these high schools realize, man, <laughs> let the parents have some air, man. Let them have some air. Uh, I didn't realize, you know, you just think, you know, outside of it, because it's been so long since we graduated, you just think that, like, oh, yeah, you know, there's prom, and, you know, they, there's maybe one award ceremony, and then there's graduation. No, 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 no. There's multiple award ceremonies, scholarship meals, fucking uh, <laughs> all sorts of stuff. There was literally just packed full, and it really put a stress on, like, everything else, you know, coming out, of course, off of the lacrosse season, but super proud. I couldn't be prouder or happier. Uh, you know, it was definitely worth the ride. So, there's that, and then, like I said, I got to decompress a little bit with Diesel. We went on an old school road trip, and full of even a, a rainstorm, which uh, back in the day when we used to take a lot of road trips, for some reason, there would just be downpours randomly, so I felt like uh, they were really treating us to an old school, us in our mid-20s road trip. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so it was kind of awesome, and got some good food, and of course, uh, the 4th of July holiday is coming up for all of you people here in America, so if you're listening to us and you're from the United States, uh, happy Independence Day early. Uh, well, actually, technically, if you listen to it on the day it comes on, you're not, because if you're on Patreon, you get it on Monday. If not, you will get it on Tuesday, July 4th, so happy Independence Day. And uh, with that, I hope everybody has a wonderful Independence Day. For our international listeners, I hope you just have a wonderful week. I hope everybody had a great week last week, great week this week. You know, we always like to share those positive thoughts. But before we can jump into the fun parts of the show, we got to take care of a little bit of business. That means we have to hit you with some opening plugs for all information about the 3FN podcast, including our social media accounts, 
including uh, the Tee Public link, the Patreon link, patreon.com slash 3FN podcast for as little as $1 a month. You get a ton of extra bonus uh, content and so much more and links to everything that we do. It's a one-stop shop. 3FNpodcast.com. While you're there, also visit the sections for the 3FN podcast. Visit the sections for 607TWS, the wrestling show. The Pro Wrestling Podcast I do with Ken M from the ODPH each and every week. Go check that out as well. Also, while you're there, go to Friends of the Show and check out ODPHpodcast.com or stream their show right from 3FNpodcast.com. Also, please go and support the bands that are over in the musical directory because they provide us with the music so we don't get hit with those dreaded DMCAs. And of course, we want to give a special shout out to our good friends, Shout at the Robots, whose song Fail Better is the song you hear each and every week to open up the 3FN Podcast. While you're there, make sure you check them out on YouTube Music, Bandcamp, and Spotify. And last but certainly not least, there's a sponsorship section. Those are the fine folks that help us bring this show to you each and every week, commercial-free. Big shout-outs to Rex to Rods Auto Detailing. Uh, big shout-outs to Sci-Fi Horrorfest and SciFiHorrorfest.com. That's right around the corner, August 25th and 26th in Vernon, New York at the Vernon Downs Casino. Go to SciFiHorrorfest.com. Also, the energy sponsor of 3FN Podcast, Dubby Energy. That is Dubby. D-U-B-B-Y dot G-G. Go check out all the great things that they have over there. And at checkout, use the promo code 3FNPOD. That's the number 3. F-N-P-O-D. To get 10% off of every order over at W Energy. So thank you for being our energy sponsor. And last but not least, the most important sponsor we have, our number one sponsor, the people who provide us with the 8122 Production Studios and more, Dragon Master Games. For all your Magic the Gathering gaming needs, visit them on the World Wide Web. DragonMasterGames.com and for all events going down in the store, if you're going through the 607 or you live in the 607, make sure you like their Facebook page, Dragon Master Games. That's right. Coming on the other side of this, I want to make a couple quick, quick announcements. If you do hear some uh, whirring sound in the background, that is the fan going on because it is super humid. There's big, big thunderstorms in this area. Also, I apologize if for some reason the audio changes at some point in juncture. That means the power went out and we had to do what we've done in the past and use a different mic from a different location. So uh, that is all possible today. I do want to forewarn people up front, hopefully knock on wood that does not happen but there is always a possibility of that so i just want to make that be known so now that we've gotten the business out of the way gentlemen we are going to start the show and you know how we like to do that let's all go to the lobby let's all go to the lobby let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat welcome to diesel's movie triple stuff Got a pretty exciting box office this week. Coming in at number five, Transformers Rise of the Beast stays on the list with another $7 million. Coming in at number four, No Hard Feelings for its second week, pulling in another $7.5 million. Well, it kind of kept average, kind of. Well, a little bit right around it. Elemental staying steady at number three with $11.3 million. Like you said, that would continue to grow. Then, you know, our big s- superhero movie still on the top five. Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse with another $11.5 million. Zero surprises that that is the one still there. (laughs) Bye-bye, Flash. And coming in at number one, debuting with $60 million, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Which, of course, is this week's 3FN Movie Club Review. Diesel, what's coming up in the box office these upcoming weeks? All right, coming up this week on July 7th, we have Insidious, The Red Door, Joyride, and Summer Gold. And next week, the big movie we got is Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning. Yes, and uh, of course, Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning, if we get a chance to go see it, is going to actually be a bonus review for uh, our patrons over on Patreon. So if you'd like to join their shameless plug, patreon.com slash 3FN podcast and of course uh, dollar a month we'll get you in the door and get all that great stuff uh, the next two weeks of 3FN movie clubs just so you guys know next week that we'll be celebrating the 30th anniversary of so I married an axe murderer of course that was the Mike Myers classic and as well as the week after that we will finally uh, get some rebuttals from the twin movie which was deep impact because for his 25th anniversary we will be going to Aerosmith's favorite movie of all time <laughs> Armageddon. And of course, if you know, you know. And I cannot wait to open Patreon that week with the great I don't want to close my eyes. 
I just want to stay awake because I miss you, babe. And I don't want to miss a thing better than anything I saw in it, Deep Impact. I swear that's a line in the song. I swear it's a line in the song. Fellas, serenade your women with that. <laughs> I do always. I've, I stood by this, and I will always stand by this. If you whisper that song, it sounds real creepy. Because, yeah. I mean, listen, I, I'm going to do it for you guys one more time. I know I've done it in the past, but just imagine this opening line, hearing this in your ear while you're trying to sleep. I would stay awake just to hear you breathing. Yeah. If I heard that, I'm out. If I hear my wife say that, I'm done. I'm, <laughs> I'm out the door. I'm jumping out a window. I'm, I'm going to safety. I could be in my box and drawers because I was in bed, and I'm just out of there. I'm calling Diesel for a ride. <laughs> well, with that, Diesel, it is now time for our signature move, and that is the top three. And what is this week's top three? This week's top three is your top three biggest franchise flops. What franchise went down the tube the worst? Whew. That is, listen, we were talking about this off air. This is like loaded because there's so many fl franchise flops, if you will. There's so many franchises. I was like, man, I could do this all just on horror films alone. Uh, so, you know what? I'm going to start on a horror film. And let's just be honest. The, the, <laughs> Get it out, Rich. It's okay. Listen, it's okay. In, in the Halloween series, let's just throw it out there. Five, six, and then, of course, most recently... Halloween ends. Uh, Halloween ends should probably end it for a good little while at least. So there's that. <laughs> My number two spot is going to go to Transformers, and you can pick which one where it really ended. I remember the first one was was I enjoyed at least, and then after it, it was just like fuck Michael Bay, uh, ruining everything. And then at my number one slot, man, it's also fuck Michael Bay moment because Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, like. It, I never thought I would pine for the rubber suit turtles yeah. until the uh, abominations that were put forth by Michael Bay. Yes, the first one was watchable. Yes. Yeah, Outside I, of that... I, I, didn't, mm. I didn't mind it as much as I thought I would because I'm like, okay, I get it, but they just made them too big. So I'm like, yeah, they made them too big, yeah, and like yeah. the fact that they were going to make them aliens. Oh, the original at one was point, the, yeah, they were yeah. aliens. That's when I was like, yeah, no. yeah. Thankfully, they thankfully the outrage from that made them change. But like, uh, I don't know. I just Michael Bay fucking up my childhood since like 2000. Uh, Ron, what's your top three? Uh, since you already hit Transformers, I'm not even going to go with on that topic. Um, I'm actually going to go with Pirates of the Caribbean as number three. Ooh, which one? Uh, well, I, what, what three? Yeah, after the third yeah, one. Yeah, yeah I'm going to give that. It was three because that was a New World or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's the third one was start where it started to fall off. Yeah. Um, Saw when this name, <gasps> like the first one was really good. Two was eh. I, I enjoyed two. I'm a fan of the franchise, much the way I'm a fan of uh, the Final Destination movies. I love the deaths in the movies. But when they started retconning things yeah. because they were like, okay, we're going to write this. And now with this new Saw movie, this, the, la the yeah. new one that's coming out this year, they're going to have to retcon more because they brought back Jigsaw, who's been dead for so long, and they had to keep retconning yeah. it. Like They yeah. should have well, really thought about the story beyond what one movie at a time. Yeah, well, you know, what, this is what they're doing with Fast X now. Every new character was the character that was there that we didn't know about. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, um, it doesn't work either. And then starting with X-Men Last Stand. Ooh, yeah. yeah. This is just all the way down the line. Ooh, yeah. Pretty bad. I mean, you could also go with uh, when we got X2 in the original bunch, too. From that, I'm not talking about because they're two different storylines and yeah. groups, you know, but the X2 and the original X Men one, that's that started to become a rough watch. By the way, listen to me good, Marvel. Listen, MCU, Kevin Fahey, if you're listening to the show, which you probably aren't, but if this gets you some way, somehow, I cannot say this like with, with enough force. Never try the Dark Phoenix saga again. Yes. It doesn't work. It's been tried twice, and it's been a, an abomination both times. So never do it again. Diesel, your top three. <laughs> All right. I was actually going to go with the X-Men, but we'll go with a different Marvel franchise that started off hot and then just failed off Blade. Yo, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, now, now we don't even know where the reboot's going, yeah. man. Uh, coming in at number two, we're going to go with the Matrix uh, franchise. I can see that. First Matrix was great. Then drop off, drop off. We, a couple of us, really enjoyed the uh, the redo, but it still had its flaws. But they they definitely fucked up that franchise. I enjoyed it entertainment wise, but I was not, it wasn't great. Yeah, yeah. And then for me, the most egregious, the Jurassic Park slash Jurassic World franchise. <gasps> you know, yeah. you know what the funny part is. They everybody always talks about the Jaws franchise, which we could have gone yeah. with, and I thought about going with, but Halloween just doesn't, you know. There's more, <laughs> you know, whatever. But like, everybody always is like, okay, Jaws, you know, epic movie. Jaws two, good movie. Jaws three, bad movie, but you can find laughs in it. 
Jaws the Revenge. Terrible. And they're always like, that's the fall. I don't know. I think the Jurassic Park slash Jurassic World like saga is like just the biggest dump off. Jurassic Park was such a great movie and then a huge fall off. Yes. Then you got that refresher of Jurassic World where you're like, all right, I, I like where this is going. And then an even massive fall off. <laughs> even worse than the first time. And the first time had Lost Worlds. <laughs> that's not going to be the, oh. by the way, a little check here. That's not going to be the last time you hear Lost World Jurassic Park in this episode. But with that, ladies and gentlemen, we are going to end Diesel's movie, Triple Stuff. And you know, once we end the Triple Stuff, we jump right on into... Welcome to Three Thumbheads Movie Club. Refreshments are available in the lobby. And please, keep our theater clean by disposing of trash in specified containers. And remember... Gift certificates are available for any special occasion. Enjoy the show. That is right. It is now time for this week's 3FN, a movie club review. And of course, I've already said it, but I'll say it again. The 3FN Movie Club review is the brand new film, Indiana Jones in the Dial of Destiny. Now, for anybody who is new to the show, by the way, thank you for giving us a shot and giving us a listen. And we do appreciate here. Or anybody who just has forgotten, because, you know, we don't do new movies every week, but we do do when we do do them, we have a different setup. We uh, make sure we don't want to spoil anything for anybody. So, therefore, we have two sections. So, the first section is all spoiler-free, what you're about to hear. It's going to be Diesel's synopsis of the film, usually very funny. Uh, then we're going to go over to, uh, you know, the stats of the film. How much was the budget, when it came out, runtime, all that into who made the film which the directors writers cinematographer into the stars of the film and then we're going to go into our spoiler free thumbs up thumbs in the middle or thumbs down recommendation for the film then we're going to take a break when we go to break and hear from one of our awesome podcast friends when we come back we are going to give you one final warning before jumping into the spoiler full review Followed by the game where we give the scores from around the internet. We just make it a little fun. And then, last but certainly not least, our scores on the nerd scale and my critic score. So, don't worry. We'll give you plenty of uh, time to know if your movie's going to be spoiled for you. So, we're not trying to spoil the movie for anyone. So, with that, now that we've gone over the ground rules for the 3FN Movie Club, Diesel, I believe... Man, I got a story to tell. Geriatric Archaeologist and a new group of friends or enemies must find the Dial of Destiny, a device that could change the course of history. Uh, very good. I like that one. That was that was more of uh, you know, right on the button. It was a good one. Good synopsis. Uh, of course, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny was released on June 30th of 2023 with a runtime of 154 minutes. Goddamn two-hour-plus movies. Uh, the budget of this film was $294.7 million dollars it opened domestically. Uh, you, Diesel sold you over the weekend was $60 million, but when you count the preview night, $82 million domestically and $152 million worldwide. So uh, on track to probably make its money back, I would assume. Well, you never know. It could take a dive off a cliff. Uh, with that, those are the stats. Let's go and find out who made the movie. Who made this year? Of course, the director of this movie was the great, legendary, and I mean those words, James Mangold. Twelve credits to his total, although he's got a lot of attachments to him uh, coming up in the very near future. Of course, James Mangold's first movie was heavy in 1995. He followed that up with Copland, Girl Interrupted, Identity, Walk the Line, 310 to Yuma, The Wolverine, Logan, and Ford versus Ferrari. Those are the ones I'm listing because obviously there's ones I left off. He is also attached to the brand new Star Wars film that's going to be coming out in the next couple of years. Uh, he is going to be the director of that. That is in that, that's actually in production. So James Mangold, pretty hell of a career, I would say. Oh yeah, it sounds good to me. This movie is going to sound familiar when we talk about the like the Flash and like too many catch, you know too many chefs in the kitchen. That's going to be kind of what I'm going with because the screenplays for this movie, the writers of this film, there is one, two, three, four writers for this film. I'm sure that somebody was hired, then somebody added on. Uh, the first one I'm going to go with was James Mangold does have a writer's credit on this film. I'm sure as the director, it's just one of those kind of things. Uh, but he does have one movie that he did not direct that he wrote. 
Oliver and Company in 1988 for Disney, the Disney movie, the animated oh, movie. Okay. okay. Uh, also, all out of his main movies, these are the only ones he wrote: Copland, Girl Interrupted, Walk the Line, and Logan. Those are his only writing credits. All right. So now let's get into the writer writers. Uh, there is a, a pair of brothers, but they didn't do all their work together, so I it made it harder for me. I couldn't just say copy the other one. So first up is Jez Butterworth. Uh, Night of the Golden Brain in 1993 was his first film. Edge of Tomorrow, Black Mass, Spectre, and Ford versus Ferrari. So some heavy hitters out there. Some good, some good uh, writing right there, actually. His brother John Henry Butterworth uh, did his started his career with a movie called Fair Game in 2010, and he co-wrote with his brother Edge of Tomorrow and Ford versus Ferrari. Um, he didn't. Uh, he did a bunch of other smaller stuff in like TV and stuff. So uh, that's where he's at. Next up is a legendary screenwriter, and I wrote down a lot for this gentleman because I feel like he deserved it, and that is uh, David Cope. I hope I said that right. Uh, Apartment Zero, 1988 first movie. Now here it comes. Toy Soldiers, Death Becomes Her, Jurassic Park, Carlito's Way, The Shadow, Mission Impossible, the first one, The Lost World Jurassic Park. I told you we're going to come back to it. Uh, we need to get our Nick Cage fix in, Snake Eyes. We need to get our Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon in, Stir of Echoes. <laughs> he was the writer of Sam Raimi's first Spider-Man movie. He wrote War of the Worlds with Tom Cruise. He also wrote Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skulls. And he wrote the 2017 version of The Mummy starring Tom Cruise. So, eh. A lot of things make sense, right? Yeah. And about like 300. <laughs> a lot of things start off real hot. Yeah. Real hot. I just want to throw that out there. Uh, take that for what it's worth, folks at home. Uh, next up, director of photography. And I hope I, I'm pretty sure I'm saying this right, but I hope it, I know the first name I get right is Faden Papa Michael. And uh, Faden's uh, first movie that was the director of cinematography on was Stripped to Kill 2, Live Girls in 1989. By the Classic. way, I want to point this out. He spent a, the next bunch of years making what I could only assume by the titles were Skinamax films. Yep. Oh, that's right. there. Uh, but then, and I mean, this is kind of a logical jump. He was the director of cinematographer for Poison Ivy. Remember the uh, the, the sexual thriller there? Yeah. With, um, yeah. yeah. Uh, now, how you go from all that, right? Next movie, Cool Runnings. <laughs> also, he was the DP for Biodome, Phenomenon with uh, John Travolta, mm-hmm. Patch Adams, Sideways, which I know you're a fan yep. of, Walk the Line, The Pursuit of Happiness, 310 to Yuma, W, the George W. Bush film, and Ford versus Ferrari. This guy is living his best life, doing the best things possible. <laughs> By the way, it's like he is living what most, I'm going to say this, he's living what most porn actors want. Start off in the dirty zone and then just move right on into like doing great movies. I mean, and be honest. Director of photography and some great movies. And I will say this, and this is spoiler free, this movie looked amazing as well. You gotta hone your craft, and what better way to do it than to get those shots, use the lighting to your advantage to cover up what you need to cover up for Skinamax. That's awesome. I, I was gonna make the joke that he is the one that created the Bob shop, but that was all around <laughs> long before. <him. laughs> Next up, we gotta find out who starred in it. For the love of God, will someone please punch me in the face so I can see some scars? That's right, and of course, we only do kind of, I'm not even going to say a deep dive, we do more of a bigger dive on the stars of the movie and then uh, mention other people. So the four major stars of the film, of course, and I don't go by, like, you know, they're ranking on IMDb or their list order. I go by how long they were in the film. Uh, of course, the man, the myth, the legend himself, Harrison Ford, reprising the role of Indiana Jones. And uh, right up front, we're just going to leave it like this. You know him as Han Solo from the Star Wars franchise. You know him as Indiana Jones from the Indiana Jones franchise. His first movie, though, A Time for Killing in 1967. That's right, folks. By the way, he did two films before that, uncredited. I usually only like to count the credited movie. Uh, so his career actually started in 1965. Uh, American Graffiti. Then let's skip, of course, like I said, then you would get into Star Wars movies, later Indiana Jones, but also he was in Apocalypse Now, Blade Runner, Patriot Games, Clear and Present Danger, which was bringing that character back, The Fugitive, which is one of uh, my favorite films, by the way. Fugitive was great. Yeah, it was Air Force One, where he outshined Steven Seagal. That's right. You heard it here first. (laughs) He was in 42, and then, of course, he was in uh, The Expendables 3. So, and of course, lately he's been reprising his role as Han Solo, now as Indiana Jones, and he will be a Thunderbolt Ross whenever we get the Thunderbolts movie that is confirmed. Next up, playing Helena. 
Phoebe Waller-Bridge. And Phoebe has done more stuff mostly in England. She's a British actress. Uh, Intangible in 2008 was her first film. She was also in Solo as the voice of uh, the droid. And uh, most famously, she's been in Prime Video's series Fleabag from 2016 to 2019. Next up, Ethan Easydore played Teddy. This is his first major role. Does a lot of TV and small films in France. He's a French actor. And last but not least, the villain of this film, because we got to have a villain. And of course, he's a Nazi in the movie because it's Indiana Jones. And it's played by somebody that we all like, Mads Mikkelsen, uh, Dr. Voller, a.k.a. also Dr. Smith, depending upon if you go with this Project Paperclip name. Yep. Uh, of course, first movie he was in, Pusher, in 1996. Needless to say, he's done a ton of British films because he is also British. Yep. Uh, King Arthur, he was in Casino Royale. He was in Quantum of Solace, yep. Clash of the Titans. He was the star of the show Hannibal, playing Hannibal Lecter from 2013 to 2015. That's where most people probably fell in love with him. Doctor Strange, he was in Rogue One, and most recently, he was in Fantastic Beast: The Secrets of Dumbledore. So, Mads Mikkelsen, gotta give it up. Mads Mikkelsen's a hell of an actor, and I, I thought he was great in this as well. Yeah. Uh, I think that he's one of those uh, underrated actors. Hope to see him in more stuff, because why not? All right, now we're going to go through a quick shout-out section. There's a few people we want to shout-out that make appearances in this movie. And uh, this person, the first person that I'm going to mention, I didn't even know he was in this film. <laughs> I somehow was like, wow, that was him? And that would be Antonio Banderas playing uh, Ronaldo. I, I, after you guys mentioned who it was, I was like, oh, yeah, that was him. It did look like him. <laughs> but it, like, I take that for what it's worth before the review, folks. Next up, of course, we had two returning uh, characters. Uh, John Ray's Davies returned as Sala, and of course, Karen Allen returned as Marion. Uh, so we had two returning actors in this movie as well. Uh, this has a ton of cast, but everybody, most other people don't have too much screen time, yeah. so I'm not going to go through and run yeah. through, but the cast, I will give the cast this. I thought all the actors did very well in this film, so that's spoiler free. Now, speaking of spoiler-free, it's time for the spoiler-free recommendation. Thumbs up, thumbs in the middle, or thumbs down with a spoiler-free why? Starting with Ron, what is your recommendation for Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny? Thumbs down. If you're an Indiana Jones fan, I'm sorry to tell you this, you don't think you need to see this movie. But that's all I'm saying. Diesel. I'm also going with the thumbs down. There are some positives to this movie, but I don't think there's enough to validate going to see it. You know what? We're going to make it a trifecta. I'm going with the thumbs down with the caveat, though. Um, unlike Ron, if you are an Indiana Jones film, that's who has been enjoying this film. Anybody I know that's an Indiana Jones film came out of this film and thought it was, it was great. I think they loved the nostalgia. I'm going to be honest. I'm not. I mean, I love Temple of Doom, but I'm not a big Indiana Jones guy. I'm, you know, I have a softer spot for Harrison Ford as Han Solo. As you know, we're all Star Wars fans. So, like, it didn't hit the nostalgia feel for me for that, and that's fine. It wasn't, but I, I would say if you are a fan of the Indiana Jones series, go take, you know, take, you know, a fan or go yourself to go see it. If you're not though, this is one you can just catch when it's on the uh uh the the whatever streaming device it will be on. Probably Disney Plus, I would assume. I would assume because it's a Disney film. So, just check it out there when it comes out there. With that, we are going to take our break before jumping into our spoiler full review of Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. We'll be right back. Hey, this is Bill Tash from Obscure Form. You can follow me on Facebook at Obscure Form. Subscribe to my YouTube channel, Bill Tash. Check me out on Spotify or help me out on Bandcamp at Obscure Form. You are listening to the 3FN Podcast. Like this. Oh, you mean resourceful, daring, beautiful, self-sufficient? 
Of course, that is a clip from Indiana Jones in the Dial of Destiny. We are about to jump into our spoiler full review of Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. So if you have not seen the movie and you do not want it spoiled, it is now time for you to stop this podcast. Go see the movie and come back and listen to this after you've seen it. However, if you've seen the movie, if you've seen Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, and, or you just don't care and you just want to hear the review and, and it doesn't matter to you about spoilers, stay on for the ride because we'll be talking spoilers right about... Now, of course, we're going to dive right in, and we're not, I don't know if I can go piece for piece through this fucking film. I'm just going to be honest with you. Let, let's go live time. No. Let's, two hours, 47, and just dictate scene by scene. Uh, Diesel, I, I just want to throw this out to you. I have Please, to still no. record 607 TWS, so that's not going to happen. So we're just going to do the classic 3FN likes, dislikes. And then, like, over, you know, give us the overview before playing the game and giving our scores. So, let's talk about likes of this film. I kind of started off, I, I will start it off like this. I started off when we were talking non-spoiler. The cinematography in the film I thought was really well. It was shot very well. Uh, it looked great. I, I have to give them credit for that. The, the sets looked amazing. Uh, you felt like when you were in a different part of the world, you really felt like you were in a different part of the world. Uh, on top of that, I thought the acting was really good. Uh, nothing against the actors in this film. I don't even think that there was really anything egregious because I don't have a problem with the script writing as far as the talking because I don't think that there was anything to me that really stood out where it was bad. Yeah, there was no like actual bad dialogue. Right, right. That's what I'm saying. Like, I, I mean, there was some storyline that didn't need to be there and stuff, but right. that has nothing to do with the actual scripting portion of it. So, and I thought the actors delivered their lines, and you know, you did you know care about the characters. I thought they did a very good job of portraying themselves. Some of the characters. Some of the characters. <laughs> yes, I agree. I agree. Not all of them, but you, they did a good job of of letting you know who they were. I thought that that was was you know nothing against the actors. Uh, on top of that. Uh, I love the score of this film. It was amazing. I thought they did a very good job scoring the film. Uh, once again, not relying even on really any like pop songs. There was a couple instances of some songs when they were in the U.S. in 19... I do believe around 1950-ish. Yeah. Or, um, or no, 60, because it was the moon landing. Yeah. So 69 had to be. Yeah, yeah. There was a couple pop uh, culture references for like the girl from Ibiza and stuff like that playing through there, but the score itself was... Tremendous. Yeah, because yeah, now that I'm thinking about it, it was 1969 is the moon yes. landing. Yes. So, so when into, you know, there's flashbacks and stuff, but you know, most of it was the original score. Of course, we got a lot of the uh, Indiana Jones theme, which is fine. Uh, that's iconic. Yeah. I, I love hearing it. I'm not going to bitch about that ever. Uh, the other thing that I like was the action sequences. I was a big fan of the action sequences in this movie. I know it's going to be shouted out from a lot of us, so I'm going to pass it down to Diesel so he can uh, double down. What are your likes, dislike, or likes about the movie first? We'll do dislikes last next. Okay, so. The action sequences, it's going to be a double-edged sword for me, so we'll come back to that one on the other side. I do like how this movie opened up hot. We go back into World War II with a young, de-aged Harrison Ford as Indiana Jones, which I actually thought was done well. I, I enjoyed the look of the de-aged Harrison Ford. The FX in this film were way better than The Flash. Yes. yes. Um, it starts off hot, and you go, like, the first 15 minutes are just straight action. I loved how they did that. That was really cool to get you hyped for where you're going. Um, I massive shout out to Mads Mikkelsen. I thought he played a great character throughout the entire movie as a uh, Nazi and then as a reclaimed uh, German scientist working under Operation Paperclip. Yeah, so Dr. Smith when he was in the States under Paperclip, Dr. Voller when he was a Nazi. Yeah. Uh, he's always Dr. Voller, he's always a Nazi, but <laughs> he's he is working and he is uh, basically. He is the fictionalized version, and I'm not saying that this person did the things that Mads Mikkelsen did, but he is kind of like their Werner von Braun, because yeah. he's credited with creating the rocket that takes them to the moon, and that's what Werner von Braun did, and he is also part of you know Project Paperclip. I can, easy for you to say. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I, it was a villainized version of, yeah. of that, of that real-life person, in my opinion. And then I also like, once they got back into... Um, the current day of the film, so in this 1969, where you show in just an older Harrison Ford after doing all these action scenes and see him just be like, like extra cranky. Like for a few minutes of this film, it was definitely like the grumpiest old man. <laughs> Basically, Harrison Ford was playing Harrison Ford. Yeah. Get off my lawn. <laughs> so I did enjoy how they went from you know youthful action into you know he's a professor and he's retiring and he's 
he is fed up with the world. So I enjoyed that little dichotomy yes. of it all. It makes sense. Is any other likes? <laughs> it's okay if it's not. No, no. <laughs> Ron, you got any likes to add or uh, to uh, add to? I I get what they were doing, and I kind of liked it. it. Was just to give you that little uh, moment where it explains Mutt and what happened to him, and it kind of explains why Indy was the way it was in the beginning of this. Uh, you know, I, I know we have you know spoilers, but I'll let you know let you get, listen to it yourself. Uh, I don't even wait too much on it. Well, that's the spoiler for uh, well, I mean, if you want to, it's just he, he, he goes. He the goes, military and dies in war. Yeah. There you so, go. So, so it's like you get you get that, and you wonder why Harrison Ford's or uh, Indiana Jones is the way he is. It's pretty much yeah. that, and he says it. You know, he's like, I I would go back in time and tell him nothing less, so it wouldn't break my wife's heart and me and blah blah. So, I mean, I liked how they gave you that little thing, and it was actually a part of the movie that was like. All right, good. And it actually fit well. Um, other than that, everything else you guys said is right on, and I don't really have much more. Yeah, uh, like I said, like my likes would like I for the most part like the action scenes. I, it was very Indiana Jones esque, although at the same time not. I mean, they got the nostalgia bits that I remembered in, like the bugs when they're crawling through somewhere. We had a bugs mm-hmm. made sense instead of snakes. We got eels. Eh. So, so, snakes of the sea. To segue to the negatives. That was one of the uh, visual effects I did not like. I thought the eels looked horrible. Yeah, they weren't the best. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it was it was weird. I get it. I get that they were trying to do something different than snakes. And, I mean, eels are pretty yeah. much just the snakes of the sea. So, yeah, it was it was interesting. Uh, I, I thought that they were that was one of the weaker parts. There was some, like, shoddy stuff going on. But for the most part, the visual effects looked good. Yeah. Especially when you compare it to the Flash, it looked amazing. <laughs> yes. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> I hate to say it like that, but it's true. Um, yeah, I don't know. I thought the de-aging looked really good as well. Uh, for you, could, it was one of the times that they used de aging where it was really, really good. Instead of like you know, it reminded me of like when Robert Downey Jr. had it for uh, the Avengers film. Yeah. Or, or no, no, it wasn't Avengers Civil War. It was uh, Captain America Civil War. Yeah. Remember because he's giving the little lecture and he goes back and it's him younger. I thought that looked really cool and I think it looked really good with with Harrison Ford as well. Um, yeah, negatives. Ah, like this movie story just falls to fucking just. First of all, they don't stick to the story. The story keeps forever changing. It's not even plot armor because, like, there's not, like, anything to plot armor. Like, instead of going plot armor, they're just like, okay, well, there was a wall, so we just kind of went around it. Yes. (laughs) There's no setup for anything. It's just like, I get it. They're going in the vein of Indiana Jones, but, like, at least some of those older movies made a little more sense than this. And that's my biggest problem. Yeah, and Indiana Jones was an archaeologist. Like, this one is just a scavenger hunt. It was national treasure worldwide. Yeah, it it was pretty fucking weird. Uh, I didn't like the fact that the movie was two hours and 47 minutes long because it didn't need to be two hours and 47 minutes long because there's a good stretch of this movie where nothing fucking happens. Literally nothing. Literally. And especially when you're on that scavenger hunt to complete the Dial of Destiny, you could just quicken that up. Oh, yeah. That's what I said. (laughs) But there's nothing really happening in that meantime. Like They literally do a scene where they're just walking through the town for no reason. Yeah. Like, they could have just gone to, like, it's just weird. Like, literally, without without erasing a line of dialogue and without erasing any storyline in, in the movie, you probably could have cut 45 minutes of this film. Yes. Because there, it would just, it's just shit that could have been cut. That in most movies would be cut. But instead, it's like there to just drag out and you're just like, and that, that adds to it. When you're going and following an incoherent storyline where... You know your you know your villain is a Nazi. We get it. It's Indiana Jones, but also the the goddaughter's kind of a, a a villain at times, and then has the the face turn at the end, and it's just like ah. Yeah, is she doing it. this just for money, or does she actually care about what happens to her godfather? It, the motivations of the new characters seemed very like you could tell it had four writers yeah oh yeah you could tell because everybody wrote a different thing in and it, and it changed and it was just and it was disjointed the whole time and that that's the problem when it's two hours and 47 minutes all those disjoints get really exposed and actually become really ugh. the fact that antonio banderas is listed third on imdb and is in the movie for less than 10 minutes and could you could have had anybody in that role because even i kind of was like oh that was him then after the fact, I'm like, oh, yeah, it is him. But, like, it never really made it. He wasn't really an important character. Yeah. So He was the guy that got them to the diving to the ship. So he was, a, you know, in, in law and order terms, he was the guy who led him to the guy who led him to the guy who then eventually led him to the guy. So he was, like, like removed from the end of the movie. And like I said in our group chat, too, was 
you, you had to get somebody that you're going to care about when they die because they they took all this time, but they did not do any character development on any of these new characters. Oh, yeah. no, not not enough that you may cared if they died. Yeah. You mean you cared if Indy died? <laughs> you cared if Sala died? Because you know them. Yeah. You, you know, Marion, when you, you don't... By the way, Marion, you don't see until the end of the film. It's just yeah. kind of like, fuck. Like, I would have liked to see her at some other point in Juncture in the film because I felt like that was kind of shitty just to give her, like, the last five minutes. Yeah. Um, and then, like, they introduced the uh, the new characters, like the henchmen for the Von Braun character. And then their handler, which was, like, a CIA, like, kind of operative who gets killed off. But you're just like, is she a badass? Why is she even in this movie? Because they just offer out of nowhere. And it's weird because she's, like, there watching them do crimes and just kind of, like, kind of frowning upon it. Yeah. But then gets on her high horse and is, like, preaching to them about, like, the right that's just weird like they could have just wrote that character completely out um going back to one of my likes was the action sequences the dislike side of that is it was the same action sequence throughout this movie the movie starts off you know in nazi um the train riding on a motorcycle splitting up and all this shit going down onto the tuk-tuks onto the streets (laughs) it was the same action scene throughout the movie they just repeated what it was on the same kind of two-wheeled mo- um, operating vehicle. The, the, the vehicle change. Yeah. The I vehicle mean, change, but it was the same type. Until, until you get to the end. Yeah. <laughs> Let's, we'll talk about that in a minute, because I think that's the, that's the biggest thing, is the ending of this film. So, this whole time, they're putting together the dial. The dial is Archimedes' dial of Dusty, the Acopolypse, or whatever they were calling it. And what the we accurate, fight... The Accurate Theorem, which is actually a real no. dial, but it's not... Does, it's not attached to any of Yes, but anyways. So what the dial does while it's fully completed, it will find temporal fissures and lead you to them. It'll lead you, and if you if you know how to read the thing and navigate it, it'll lead you to the time that you can. And you can only go to where the fissure will open. So one of the places the fissures would open was in 1939, right before Hitler invaded Poland. And so you find out that Mads Mikkelsen is like, they're like, oh, you just want Hitler to succeed. And he's like, no, no, no. Hitler made way too many mistakes. I'm going to go back. I'm going to kill him. I'm going to take over. I'm going to be the Fuhrer. I'm going to introduce the gods. Yes. <laughs> I'm going to be a god. You know what I mean? So it's kind of like, and then, I, and then I won't make those mistakes because I wasn't stupid enough to make them the first time. So therefore, it's kind of an, it, like a very narcissistic thing from, from your villain, which is fine. I get it. I, I did enjoy that. I thought the, the villainous aspect of Mads Mikkelsen was actually really well done. So they get the dial. The, you know, Throughout it, we know it's going to happen. And that's another thing. It's too drug out for them getting it. They get everything. They take it. Instead of killing Indiana Jones off, they take Indy with them because, you know, yeah. reasons, right? <laughs> and then, like, so now we have a kid who's never flown a plane. Who is who has practiced just on a table in a bar in Morocco in (laughs) in a bar in Morocco where they do these illegal auctions as far fetched as it was at least they had the foresight to be like hey this kid's gonna be a pilot (laughs) anyways so he's flying a plane and then of course we have you know our female lead Helena she's gonna motorbike down a fucking runway and end up in the the ship via the uh the the takeoff uh, the wheels yeah the landing as, gears as they're coming up it's just uh like whatever so anyways you get past that i get it it's a it's a once again i'm not going to be judgmental like it's this action film fine whatever physics doesn't matter so they go to the fisher so right as they're about to enter the fisher indiana jones decides to go like as he's th- he's sitting there and he's like fuck you man I'm, we're fucked I'm going back to Nazi Germany this is bullshit I don't want to deal with Nazis I hate fucking Nazis <laughs> you know it's Indiana Jones that's that's the whole point shot in the arm he's pissed off at the world <sighs> a- Indiana Jones was Antifa before Antifa was <laughs> yeah. cool I'm just gonna throw that out there he punched a lot of Nazis <laughs> yes so there you go uh, hero hero to many so here's the thing they go back as they're going back in time he's like he didn't understand continental drift. Archimedes would have never understood continental drift. They haven't discovered continental drift yet. Well, what's that mean? That means everything's off by 10 degrees. That means we're going in the wrong hole. (laughs) Which they only ever showed one hole. So that made zero sense. You're just like... Well, it probably was somewhere else on the planet because you had to be on the right longitude and latitude. And they're like... And so it gets to the point where, you know, fucking now, you know, Dr. Voller's like... Turn this fucker around, like, like eventually, like yeah, eventually he's like thinking and thinking, like which took forever, anyways, and he's like, "Bort, too late, it's pulling us in." So they get him out and they come out on the other side, and of course, as they come out on the other side, they look down and they're right outside of uh, Syracuse in Greece, and they look down the Mediterranean and they see warships, 
and there's 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 fire and all sorts of stuff and they're high up so they can't really make them out at first and they're like ah we are we're home see and indy's like fuck i was wrong <laughs> well we find out indy wasn't wrong nope. they're actually back at the battle of syracuse back in like 282 bc <laughs> So these are Roman like warships. ships, warships that are being fought off by the Greeks. So we have officially hit time travel yes. in the Indiana Indiana Jones franchise. <laughs> I mean, we've done other mystical stuff. I mean, you got to remember he found the Ark of the Covenant, yeah. so, and, and somebody's face melted because of it. So <laughs> it's not it's not it's not too out of realm for the series. So I'm not even afraid of that. But my whole point is this: you're on a sh- on a warship, a German warship. Because that's what they take back, this big German warship. It has turrets. They start, you know, the the people on the ground think, because they're, you know, from 282 BC, they think these are dragons. Yeah. So my point is, like, as they're taking fire and they're doing damage, real damage to the the warship, wouldn't you just fire on them? Like, not just out the side of the window with your fucking automatic weapons. I'm talking about going to turrets and you could have taken everybody out. Mm -hmm. No problems. But this, this... military warship it gets taken down by essentially giant spears and we have henchman number one just mowing people down out the window yeah that, that was that was hilarious so anyways uh indy indy ends up uh parachuting out <laughs> and they end up on the ground and of course our you know plane ends up down bad guy dies you know whatever not going to go into detail because there's no need for it and archimedes comes to the plane and you know this moment where indy wants to stay in 282 bc he's like look at it to be fair you would think this would be an archaeologist wet dream i've traveled back in time to the time i've studied let me stay here and then he gets knocked out by his goddaughter and they go back to the hole that's allegedly closing this whole time but it's open for fucking ever (laughs) and then the, the next thing you know we're back in indy's apartment in new york city 1969. Marion's there. Because the puddle jumper took him right there. Yeah. Took him right there, but enough things have changed in Butterfly Effect. India was no longer wanted by the law. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Because he was accused of murder. That's the only thing that's changed. (laughs) Nothing else has changed. Everything else looks the same. And uh, and, uh, then the kid and, you know, Teddy and and Helena and Sala and his kids, they all go for ice cream so that Marion and Indy can... Rouse. <laughs> there you go. There you go. I totally forgot that was the start of this movie. That by the time and then of course the movie, the ending of the movie, has got the shot on Indy's hat hanging up on the line. You're like, oh, he's hanging it up. And then all of a sudden, as the circle closes in, Indy grabs the hat and pulls in the window. So is he hanging it up? Is he not hanging it up? She just I like, get it. It was, I, but it was such a fucking cheesy thing. Are they going to dial back the franchise or dial up the action? Who knows? <laughs> Are they so just going to put it in the Expendables universe? Because that's where it belongs. I don't know. I just thought that the ending was just so unnecessary and weird and dumb, personally. Yeah. And if you are going to time travel, it would have made more sense to you know end the franchise because you didn't bring back his son. You brought back the relationship a little bit. Let Indy be the t- the body they find in the tomb of Archimedes. Yeah. yeah. Well, give him that out. Like. He's done his time. Let him serve out the last, you know, four years of his life in ancient Greece. That would have been a better ending, at least, if you're going to go the time travel route. I'll, yeah. g- I'll give you that. Or the better time travel route is that you don't go that far back in the past, but you somehow go back, you know, because they've never said of the entire dates that it, it connected to. You somehow go back to, I'm assuming his son died in Korea, the Korean War, because that would have been the war. Yeah. So what he was obviously not in World War II. Yeah. So I'm assuming it would be the Korean War. So you would end up, you know, there, still, same joke. Oh, shit, you know, huh, look at, we're here. Oh, no, it's the wrong war. Only it's more modern, so, you know, better reason for a war plane to get shot out of the sky, you yeah. know what I mean? And on top of that, you could have ended with a scene where he has that moment where his son kind of saves his son life. Yeah. So then when you come back to the future, his son is still there. Yeah. And all that happy stuff. And then you you get that real happy ending, instead of, and surprise ending, if you will, yeah. as the characters. But, yeah. <laughs> you know, instead we're going back to 282 B.C., and it just a lot of it just didn't make sense to me. I'm like, why is this the end of this movie? Why is this the end of the franchise? Because technically speaking, there there was no past the torch moment in this yeah. movie at all. So I don't know how you carry the franchise. And this is Harrison Ford's been pretty fucking stern and set on this was his last time as Indiana yeah. Jones. So yeah. I don't know where you go from here if you wanted to do more in the franchise other than doing some like young indie stuff and hiring somebody to play him. Yeah. And, like, the logical thing would be, like, Helena, you know, 
an attractive female who's into all the stuff and all that. But their her motivations in this movie were just like off the wall, like money oriented. You know auctions. Yeah. It's always money oriented. She never changes it. The only thing she changes is the, the two people that she's willing to sacrifice for. Indy and Teddy. Yeah. That's it. Other than that, if you notice, money comes first for anybody else. It's just those two. And it's only Teddy at first. Because even Indy kind of points that out. Like, oh, obviously you care about him. And then later on, she starts caring about Indy. So now she saves Indy. That's it. If you think about it, she's like, fuck everybody else. I don't care. She's going to go back to gambling, robbing, and stealing, man. Well, like, nothing against the actress, but the character itself, like, was not likable. You cannot put the Indy mantle onto her. She cannot carry that mantle because of the how the character is written. So, and we got Teddy, who was, like, you know, the new version of Short Round. Teddy didn't have the likability. No. By the way, I would have loved the short round fucking uh, that, cameo yeah. in this, especially with everything now that's happened. And I understand they shot this movie before he won his Academy yeah. Award and stuff, but that would have been pretty fucking cool to see. You brought back Sal as as an ally. You could have just done one quick scene with yeah. with short round, and it would have that probably would have borrowed up a full point for me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think that would have been better for those of us who were just like Fairweather fans yeah. of the franchise. I, that's what I call we're Fairweather fans. Uh, that would have been like a moment where like, oh, cool, that's awesome. You know, just, you know, something, just anything. Because, yeah. I mean, really, Sal is only there to, you know, give him hell, Indiana Jones. I brought my passport and I'll join you if you want me to. <laughs> no, nah, it's all right. Man. I, do, too, I, yeah. I do love Salah, though. I'm, gonna, I, 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 I'm, not, I'm not shitting yeah. on him because I do love Salah. Oh. And I just love the fact that, but those are the lines that he gets. And then he comes back for ice cream at the end of the movie. Like literally I mean, comes I in. Go back although I also he also comes in and gives the look to everybody because he knows that the bomb chicken wow wow was going down. Because if you think about it, it's solid. It's like looks, looks, and then goes. All right, ice cream on me. Let's go. <laughs> well, we just bought ice cream. Oh no, you want this other ice cream? It's better. <laughs> Get the so, fuck out of this apartment. I just, I just want to point out, Sala wins brother of the year, baby. <laughs> he is wingman brother of the year, man. He's taking. He's making sure that nobody gets in the way of that cock blocking, baby. Ooh. Brother of the Year, Sala or the dude from Black Adam? Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> a little bit of both. I mean, they're up both in contention. They're better than contention. Uh, you know, so I think that's we're there. We're there. They're, they're, they're the homie. That's the, that's the dude you need in your corner. That should be your right-hand man. <laughs> to look in real quick and go, there's going to be some action going down. It's going to smell like a Budussy in here in about five <laughs> minutes unless we leave these kids here. So we got to get the kids out. Let's go. Let's make this. We can. We gonna come back. It's gonna smell all steamy. Oh, geriatric <laughs> sex up in this bitch. It's gonna smell like. It's gonna smell like uh, a little mixture. Because I don't think that they had icy hot back then. So it's probably Ben Gay. It's gonna smell like Ben Gay and fucking old people sweat. It's gonna be like nursing home. Well, that's a nursing home smell. There you go. Starkist <laughs> tuna and gold bond. Oh, that was disgusting. I think I threw up in my mouth a little right there. Well, anybody else have any more dislikes they would like to add since uh, we piled out a little bit there? Just to pile onto the same one. <laughs> the time of this movie dragged. You could have gotten away. Like, just have the dial be complete and be a chase trying to you know retrieve it back and forth from each other. You don't have to complete the dial. Because that took an extra hour of the movie that was not needed. And it, the whole fact that the Nazis just happened to know where they were going all the way through. Oh, and when they you know escaped the Nazis yeah. on the ocean. And he's just watching, oh, they're not going east, they're going west. The, they even, have, though, even though they're fucking going way faster than them, so they should have been out of sight by then. Yeah, yeah. well, they stopped to the, the finish the thing. That was the problem. Well, they, yeah. they had gas and they had a motor going. The other st- uh, ship was stranded at that point. Yes. So... Oh, they're not going that way, and then it shows them like you know, like what appears to be hours later with the binoculars again, watching them in the like the how they filmed the uh, the scene where the yeah, space yeah. watching them dry, uh, drive the boat. Yeah, it, it was just like there was a lot of plot armor on that side of it. I wouldn't even call it plot armor. I think they just changed. I think that was one of those. I think everything in this movie would. I don't think there was plot armor. I think it was just disjointed. I think that they re- wrote and rewrote it so much. They literally made things disjointed. They yeah. took away any plot armor there was because all they really did was like, oh, they just created more plot holes. So like, there's a lot of things that were like plot holy. And I think it's like you said. I think that's why the character development that you were talking about earlier was different because when you have four different people writing, they're writing the person differently, and at least looks like they left everybody's ideas in. Yeah. So it's like there was never one flushed out idea. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. So I don't know. Anything else you guys want to add before we move on? Well, now that we're done with our review. 
of Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. It is now time to find out what the scores from the internet say. It's time to play. Time to play the game. Time to play the game! <laughs> Last week, Diesel finally ended that win streak from Ron. So he's the new champion. Can he retain the championship? Not or will Ron regain it back this week? That's what we're going to find out. The game is played simple. We are going to find out scores from around the internet. These guys are going to play against the score. Closest without going over. Better known as Price is Right rules. Gets the point. First of three points wins. The last question, though, if need be, is a tiebreaker question. And that means it has to go closest to the number, period, because we don't do ties. And sometimes it's worth two points if there's some uh, failures Math- along the way. <laughs> Mathematically. Mathematically, we need it sometimes to be two points. So we just make these rules up as we go. It's our game. We can do whatever we want. With that, it's time to play the game, gentlemen. Are you ready? Oh, yeah. Ron, you are in unfamiliar territory. Right. You are the challenger, so you get to go first. IMDb out of 10 using points. What did they give Indiana Jones in the Dial of Destiny? 6.4. Diesel. So I know when it's my turn, I'm either going one or one above you. That's a really goddamn good guess. <laughs> I think I got to play the numbers. We're just going with one. 1. 1.0. 6.4 for Ron, one for you, and... Ron gets the point, 6.9 out of 10. <laughs> Next up, Metacritic out of 100%. Diesel, what did they give Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny? 65. Ron. Ooh. 66. 65. 66. And the survey says... It was 58%. Yes. Both of you busted. Next up, Rotten Tomatoes critic score. Ron, out of 100%. It remembers the critic score from Rotten Tomatoes. Indiana Jones Dial Destiny, what'd they give it? I want to say 42. It's probably too low. 42, Diesel. 43. <laughs> Listen, uh, he's playing the odds, and <laughs> the odds get him the point. It's 68%. Oh, that 68%. 68%. Fuckers. All right, so we're tied one to one. Rotten Tomatoes fan score Diesel out of 100%. What did they give Indiana Jones in the Dial Destiny? 70. Ronald. One. 71 and Diesel gets the point 88% so Diesel is up 2-1 Diesel you can win this but it's going to be worth 2 points so Ron can win as well and of course it is closest to the number period so Ron you have the uh, championship disadvantage because you're not the champ Google users out of 100% what did they give Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny oh fuck you Google users 92 Diesel, are you going above or below? We're going below. We're going 91. I think it's around 85. If it's 92 or higher, Ron wins. Anything else, Diesel will be the winner. So, ladies and gentlemen, of course, we have a winner. You have rated worst movies higher. (laughs) Your winner. And still champion, Diesel, 82%. Fucking Google users. 82%. By the way, that's a low score. Exactly. It wasn't the highest score for the round. Uh, Rotten Tomato users enjoyed it more than Google users. That's got to be a first. Yes. <laughs> that is that is interesting. But yes, that uh. is where we're at. Now that we've give, found out the scores from around the internet, it's finally time for ours, ourselves to give our scores. And you know how we're going to do that. Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. We're going to give you our nerd score first, uh, followed by my critic score. The nerd score is uh, based on the nerd scale. The nerd score and the nerd scale are based on a recommendation, and we take our critic score and mix it with how entertained or unentertained we were, and that's how we come up with the number for you to further the recommendation. There's five spots. Those five spots are simple. A one is no. That means it's a terrible movie. You should never waste your time watching it. A two is you've been warned. That means it's not a terrible movie, but it ain't good. So you've been warned not to watch it. A three is, ah, it's good. That's an average of good film. You don't need to be in a rush to see it. If it's a new movie, you can wait till it comes on streaming services. But if, when you watch it, you're not going to regret seeing it. But you probably may, you're probably never going to watch it again. But you won't regret seeing it. A four is just take my money. These are the very good to great films. These are films that you should go to the theater and see. Spend money on. Buy it on blu-ray uh add it to your collection add it to your rotation you'll probably watch it more than once in your life because it was that good and last but certainly not least is the rarefied air known as certified nerd that's in the five spot those are the legendary films those are movies like jaws jurassic park 
Uh, you know the type. The classics, the ones that you're going to come back to and watch every time. If it's on TV, you're going to stop and watch it. You know, basically, you know, you know what you're getting into at the certified nerd level. So with that, gentlemen, we have come to tell our scores. So, Ron, what is your nerd score and why for Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny? All right, it's a one. It's a one? Oh, hell no. I really didn't enjoy this movie at all. I tried to, I tried to get it up there, but it just wasn't... It, it was worse than Crystal Skulls. The time travel thing took me out of it, not going to lie. I'm just like, yep, yeah, nope, I'm out. Just wash my hands. See you later. If you're an Indiana Jones fan, I can see where you're probably going to like it, maybe. But it's two and a half hours of long, annoying bullshit. So, yeah, it's only one. Diesel, what did you give it? We gave it a two. Ooh, I've been warned. This could just be because of recency bias with the Flash landing at a number one for us all. But there was enough things in this movie where I found enjoyment. There was some cool action scenes. There was some good acting. It just made it to a two. I can't give it any higher than that. You should not pay money to see this. <laughs> I am going to just straight up and say I am going to agree with Diesel on this. I gave it a two. Ooh, I've been warned. Much for the same reason. I, and I, I'm not saying this made a strong two. This wasn't like, oh, man, it was on the cusp of being a three. It was, it was on the lower end, on the cusp of being towards a one. But the action scenes that were great were still good enough to carry it over and the score was good enough and the acting was good enough and the, and the it looked good you know I never was like oh this movie looks like shit so I, I was immersed in the world at least I mean I'm not happy I went to see it. it it was two hours and 47 minutes of my life I won't get back but at the same point in Juncture it's not like the flash where I left and even days later when me and Diesel <laughs> did the review we still sounded angry and the patrons have all pointed that out like so that's why I can't give it a one uh, with that though on the scale of 10, I'm giving this a 3.5 out of 10. I mean, anything 2 or below is usually a 1, so 3.5 is a little, you know, whatever, but it's not, you know, you have to get around that 5 level. I mean, the lowest you could be is like a 4.75 to get to that average area, and I don't even think that would get you there, so you're still quite a ways away from that 5 to get you to that mid-level. I just, I think there was just too much here, and once again, one of the other things that really bothered me, and I know I didn't bring it up earlier, but, it, you know, we did bring up the time travel. I'm just done with time travel and multiverses. And can we fucking have a film, folks, that doesn't have a multiverse or a time traveler? Like, because I'm just, you know, no, it's, it's just being beaten to the ground. It is. We're doing it in the MCU. We're doing it in DC. We're doing it at Sony. We're doing it now in Indiana Jones. For You know, it's just Venom, guys. Right? Venom 3, I think, has got a part of that coming. Probably. I mean, we're still going to get other MCU movies that have that because that's the whole Low thing key. that they're doing. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I get it. They were first to the, to the table, but come on. Everybody's yeah. copying time travel. Like, I'm kind of nervous for the new Ghostbusters movie that it's going to not have time travel. Like, God damn, please, <laughs> please don't let the Ghostbusters go back in time. You know, I just, I, I just, I, can I have a movie? Oppenheimer, I'm scared about. I mean, it's based on historic events, but somehow he's going to go back in time in this damn movie. I don't know. <laughs> I don't, the world don't doesn't know. end when the, the reaction happens, but Oppenheimer goes back 20 years. <laughs> I mean, to a lesser extent, and I'm sure it's going to be more cute and funny, Barbie at least is dealing in kind of a multiverse because yeah. she's going for... But, but at least that's funny. Like, I, I don't care about that as much. I'm just... Yeah. I'm just tired. Yeah. Because, you know, you, we've seen the ones that have done it good, and we've seen the ones that have done it bad. I mean, Ant-Man and the Wasp was entertaining, at least, so that I would put it in the good pile. Obviously, Spider-Verse was awesome, yeah. and so I'd put that in the great pile. And we've seen The Flash, and we've seen Indiana Jones. And, like, I think when you... I think what hurts those movies even more... Then in the case of the Flash, bad CGI, and in, in the case of this, disjointed storytelling, uh, I think what hurts it even more is when you have to start comparing them to movies that they shouldn't be compared to. You know what I mean? Yeah. And by adding multiverse and time travel, you're doing that. So, because everybody's going to do that in their head. But my score is based purely, purely off of the movie, not anything else. Because I try not to score anything compared to anything else. Yeah. I just try to you know score it. And then one day we'll go through our... We broke it down on Patreon. We'll go through how we like to score movies. But I can promise you guys, when I go to see a movie, I, I don't give my score based upon what it's comparable to. But you can't help but when you're reviewing it to compare it to it when you're actually doing the actual review. So it, does, it doesn't help. It doesn't help. Well, 
Maybe you guys thought different of it. Uh, hit us up. By the way, since this, if you want to talk spoilers, let's not put them on the internet right now. Still, I know it, you know, it came up, but it didn't come up. It came up four days ago. So, if you would like to tell spoilers, Diesel, what is that email address for them? Three fnpod at gmail.com. And if you would like to talk non-spoilers, you can hit us up on all of our social medias. You know where you can find the listing of all of our social medias, plus links to T Public, Patreon, friends of the show, and our sponsors, and so much more. It's simple. You can find them all over at the one-stop shop that's known as Three fnpodcast.com Ron, I believe it's your time to shine. Two out of ten stars. Painful Sherlock. With the exception of a few impressive visual scenes, this film is unbearable. I generally like kids, but this film had me rooting for the bathroom ogre and the three-headed monster dog to eat all the children in sight, especially the three principal actors. They're awful. Mostly due to painful overacting for which we can blame poor direction. If Hermione doesn't get on her last on your last nerve, nothing will. Yeah. So the film has some heartwarming positive messages, but the characters are so non-endearing and the storyline is so mechanical that it is in the end you just don't care. Two out of ten stars. Harry Potter just sucks people. Yeah, I thought you were gonna add something. I gave, <laughs> I gave you the stage. Ah, th- th- that worried me for a second. But I'm, can you check to see if it was Ezra Miller that wrote that? Whoa! <laughs> Hi Well. It is not. Well, you know, he's got to get it in at some point in juncture of any show. So y'all need to hide your kids, hide your wife, and hide your husband because they're raping everybody out here. Diesel. Hide them from Diesel. <laughs> With that being said, though, that's going to do it for this week's edition of the 3FN Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening to us. Hopefully you were entertained and enjoyed. Of course, we'll be back next week when we review... So I married an axe murderer for its 30th anniversary. Until then, for myself and the boys, thank you for tuning in. Take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. And most importantly, later, nerds. Later. He most certainly did give us hell. Harry Potter just sucks people. <laughs>